0: willow wind farm betsy's story chapter 15 the family orchestra every bed and floor space in all the bedrooms was filled at the corb house one weekend late in may aunt mickey and uncle fran were there with their four children uncle ed and aunt mary and their three boys had also arrived they had to stay at the farm because there was no room at grandma and grandpa's house in town the aunts would be using all the bedrooms Aunt Millie was home from her job in Africa. She worked for the United States government and came to visit every two years for about six weeks. That was called her home leave. Aunt Anne lived in New York. She came for a visit once or twice a year. The most unusual visitors were going to be Aunt Jane and Aunt Virgie. They were nuns and they almost never came for a visit. Now the rules were changing and they could come once a year. When Grandma heard that, she was so glad she planned to have a family reunion as soon as possible. Aunt Virgie taught in a special school in Kansas City. Betsy only knew her from her picture. She wore a blue habit with a white vest and a small veil. She wore that she was finished with her teaching by May 23rd. Aunt Jane didn't wear a habit. She wore ordinary clothes or sometimes a white jacket in the hospital where she worked in Atlanta. It was harder for her to get away. I can come for the last week of May, she said to Grandma over the telephone. That settles it, announced Grandma. We'll have our family reunion on May 26th. On the Friday before, Betsy and Julie went with Mother to the airport in Rochester to pick up Aunt Janie and Aunt Virgie. Their planes would be arriving at almost the same time. At first, Betsy was shy when she talked to her two aunts. She didn't know whether to call them sister or auntie. They both said they wanted all the children to call them auntie, because that's what they were. "'We're going to drop you off, and then we have to hurry back to the farm,' Mom apologized to her sisters when they pulled up at Grandma's house. "'See you tomorrow.' Sunday was a busy day at the farm because everyone came out to eat and visit. Except for doing dishes, Betsy could play for most of the day. Late in the afternoon, she had to help with chores. "'I'll help feed the pigs,' offered Rob. Dave and John wanted to go, too. Mike was so intent on finishing a book he was reading, he didn't want to be interrupted.' Donna and Mary were up in the barn with Sarah and Christine, playing with the new kittens. Betsy showed the boys how to measure out the mash and spread it in the troughs. Goody, goody, the pigs seemed to be saying as they grunted and gobbled it all up. In one corner of the pig pen, there was a round pool of deep, slimy mud. There had been a lot of rain, and that corner was just enough lower than the rest of the pen so that the water settled in instead of running off. One fat sow especially liked to wallow around in it. Rob liked to tease the sow. Here, pig, he'd call and hold a handful of mash out to her just beyond her snout. Don't do that, Rob, warned Betsy. She gets mad and could give you a deep bite if you don't watch out. Rob couldn't resist the temptation to tease. Here, pig, he said, and he let the mash trickle down right in front of the sow's nose into the mud. The sow had been pretty, sitting pretty still, lifting her snout and sniffing. Suddenly, she heaved herself up, gave a deep squeal, and bumped heavily against the fence, right below where Rob was sitting. Whoosh! Into the mud, Rob fell, face first. Betsy and Dave reached down and pulled him out fast before the sow could do anything. Yuck, said Betsy, as she helped Rob over the fence. He was covered with smelly, sticky mud from head to foot. Betsy and Dave wanted to laugh but they could see that Rob was close to tears. "'Come on, I'll help you clean up,' offered Betsy, and she took Rob by the hand and led him up to the house. "'Straight into the bathroom with you,' scolded his mother when he got to the house. "'And since you're taking a bath, you might as well put on your pajamas and robe to eat your supper because you're not going out again. I won't have any more changes of clothes for you.'" Betsy and Dave and John felt sorry for Rob, even though it was his own fault for teasing the sow like that. They stayed in to play games with him. The next day it was Sunday but they didn't go to mass and church. They were going to have their mass later in the afternoon in Grandma and Grandpa's house. It felt funny not to get up early. Don't you wish we could go and make donuts today? asked Rob with a laugh. Oh, no, not the way you make them, answered Betsy. They had so many things to do and talk about that before they knew it, it was time to go to town. When they got to town and Grandma and Grandpa's house, all the aunts were waiting and ready. Even great-great-aunt Pauline was there she was grandma's aunt grandma had put her best white linen tablecloth on the long dining room table and at each end were candlesticks the grown-ups settled themselves on chairs and the children sat on floors or on the floor or on pillows during the mass they all sang the songs directed by aunt jane she knew how to start them on the right note after some readings from the bible father Littman gave a short talk He spoke about the tribes of Israel and long ago days. And then he talked about the tribes of today. He called their family a tribe. All the adults laughed and nodded their heads as if in agreement. Betsy had learned about American Indians in school. She knew they lived in tribes. She wondered if that meant they were a little bit like the American Indians. And then there were the African tribes that Mrs. Kalulu had told them about when she visited their class in March. They seemed to live so differently and yet Father Littman was now saying their family was a tribe, too. It made you stop and think. Maybe lots of people all over the world belonged to tribes, and they didn't even know it. During the consecration, it was so quiet in the whole house you could hear the slightest sound. All the little children were sitting on the floor right in front of the table altar. They had never been so close before during the Mass. When the priest held up the host of bread, Betsy could see that it had a thin line of perforations down the middle. Just before communion, he broke the bread along that line. It was only a faint sound, but it seemed very loud in the quiet house. After communion, there were a few prayers and then the final song. It was their favorite. When it was all over, everyone clapped, just as if it had been a a play. Outside now, all of you, Grandma shooed the children out to the front porch and yard. "'We have to get dinner ready and set the table. "'There's no extra space to move around in,' she said. "'Grandma's voice didn't sound scolding. "'Betsy could tell she was really happy to have them here. "'No rest for us yet, Danny,' said Dad. "'The cows have to be milked as usual. "'Don't suppose one of you girls will volunteer to help us.' "'Betsy looked at Dad. "'She knew she should offer to go and help, "'but she wanted to stay and play with her cousins and sisters. "'I'll go,' offered Mona. "'It shouldn't take us long.' "'Yay for Mona!' They all cheered and waved as Dad, Danny, and Mona drove off. "'Do we have time to go to Dirty Park?' wondered Donna. Dirty Park was one of the two parks that were near Grandma and Grandpa's house. They called it Dirty Park because there was a wonderful dirt pile to mess around in, and every time they came back from playing in that park, Grandma or their parents would say, "'I don't know how you can get so dirty playing in that nice park.'" The other park had swing sets, slides, and a lot of grassy fields, but no dirt so they always came home pretty clean from there. They didn't know if it had a name, so they just called it The Other Park. It was farther away than Dirty Park and in another direction. No, there's not enough time for us to go to either of the parks, said Dorothy. She wished they had their costumes so they could play acting for a while. Let's ask Aunt Anne to tell stories, suggested Betsy, and she ran off to tell, find her. I want, it, I want her to tell the one about the motorcycle and the crocodile, said Rob. I don't know that one, said David, but I have a better idea. Let's ask her to tell all the stories she knows without stopping. Just then, Aunt Anne came out on the front porch where they were all sitting. You have to tell us all the stories you know, said Mike, and we're not going to let you get away until you've told every one. He and the other children grabbed hold of her by the skirt or by a leg or an arm, and they pretended to pin her down on the steps. Okay, all right, conceded Aunt Anne. I'll make a bargain with you. I'll tell you those I remember until it's time to stop and eat. Then, if I still remember more, I'll tell more tonight. Aunt Anne began to tell one story after another. To start, she told one of their favorites, the old witch. Then she told a new one she had learned, the tiger's whisker. After that, she surprised them with the old woman all skin and bone, which was more like singing than telling. They all jumped at the end. Three long stories were next, The Seventh Princess, Clever Manka, and Lazy Talk. Finally, Rob got to hear his favorite, Don't Blame Me, about the motorcycle that kept turning into a crocodile. After that came the Chinese one they all liked about the magic pot. Then they had to laugh at Master of All Masters. Mike wanted to time how long it took to say the fast sentence at the end. He had a watch with a second hand that he used in Cub Scouts, Aunt Anne had to say it again and again while they timed her. Master of all masters, get out of your barnacle and put on your squibs and crackers, for white-faced simony has got a spark of hot cockalorum on her tail. Unless you get some pondolorum, high topper mountain will be all on hot cockalorum. It took only eight seconds. It took Miss Jill longer. They practiced saying the sentence over and over to see if they could say it faster. But it was like a tongue twister. When they thought they had it right, they'd mix up the words and have to start all over again. Come in and eat, Grandma interrupted the storytelling. Thank goodness, said Aunt Anne with relief. I still have a lot more stories, but I don't have the energy left to tell them. The grown-ups ate in the dining room. Grandpa had put all the extra leaves on the table so that it went from end to end, or from one end of the room to the other. There was almost no room to get in and out the door. The table was set with 18 places. The children ate in the kitchen with Aunt Anne. That table had also been expanded, so it could seat 14. The smaller ones had to squeeze together along the benches, but that way they could all sit down at the same time. Mona and Danny came back from the farm with Dad just in time to take their places. Grandpa said a prayer in Polish, and then they said their usual prayer before meals in English. At last it was time to dig in and begin eating all the good food they'd been smelling. There were baked hams and crisp fried chicken pieces, Polish sausages and sauerkraut and fluffy mashed potatoes, new lettuce from the garden with cream dressing, golden corn left in the freezer from last year's supply, and jello salad that looked cool and shimmering. As if all that weren't enough, in the middle of each table was a big round plate of grandma's homemade bread surrounded by cookies and bars that Aunt Mickey and Aunt Mary had brought along sugar cookies, ginger cookies, chocolate chip cookies, rocky road bars, and lemon coconut squares. They ate and ate until they could eat no more. When they had finished, Aunt Mary and Aunt Virgie started in to wash the dishes. Soon they had 10 helpers, five to dry and five to put away. It went so fast the work was finished in less than an hour. For a while after that, they sat in small groups talking and listening. "'It's time for some singing,' called out Grandma. She and Grandpa loved to hear the family sing and to sing along with them. "'Janie, you start us off,' begged Grandma. "'All right, but first we want to hear something on the harmonica. "'Come on, Dad, play for us,' Aunt Janie insisted. Grandpa got out his harmonica and began to play. The tunes were so lively and bouncing that they made Betsy feel ready to jump up and dance. Sometimes Grandma even sang along in Polish.' What does that song mean, asked Betsy when it was over. It's a song about olden times in Poland, answered Grandma with a sigh. It means were the golden times gone, those olden times, those times when we dressed for merrymaking in petticoats and dress of our homeland. They were quiet for a moment, and then Aunt Jane started them off with some of their favorite songs. She would sing the high soprano part with Aunt Virgie, and Aunt Millie would sing the alto. The rest would join in, singing either high or low, whatever was easiest. It sounded so beautiful to Grandma that she had to cry a little. After that, they sang some modern, popular songs that Carol and Dorothy and Mona could lead, because they knew all the words. When they stopped for a time, trying to think of another song, Virgie broke in. I know a good song for us. One of the sisters taught it to me. I know a good song for us. One of the sisters taught it to me. She learned it when she was a little girl in Canada. It comes from the German people who settled there. It's in German, but very easy to learn. I taught it to the children in my class, and they like to sing it almost every week. Just follow me and repeat what I say. Aunt Virgie explained that the words were about a musician who could play many instruments. Repeat after me, she called out, and they sang just what she had sung. They imitated her, changing it at the end as she taught them. Then she sang the first two lines over again, and they repeated her, repeated after her. But this time, on the third line, she sang Daimojujal. Betsy burst into Snickers. It sounded like Mao Doodle to her, and that was surely a funny instrument. What's a Mao Doodle, she interrupted. I don't know, answered Aunt Virgie. Sister Marta isn't sure herself, but she thinks it's a mouth organ. All right, let's do that all over again. Aunt Virgie repeated the lines, and this time she made the motions of playing something with her mouth while singing. Four more times, she repeated the first lines, each time teaching them a new instrument. How they laughed when it was finished let's do it again, begged all the children. Auntie Virgie led them through the whole song once more. This time she didn't have to stop and explain it. It was even more fun the second time. Well, that's too good an act to follow, said Aunt Anne. I think it was the perfect finish to our song fest. They all agreed. It was time to go back to the farm to sleep. Betsy climbed into the back part of the station wagon with Julie, Sarah, Christine, and Donna and Mary. They laughed and sang all the way up to the farm, pretending to make up more instruments for the orchestra. Betsy felt she could have sung all night.